Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. So we have another exciting episode this week, and our guest is like family, Keith Beavers, everyone. Keith Beavers is a former restaurant owner, self-taught wine educator, and now he is the tasting director at one of the largest drinks publications in the U.S., Vine Pair. He drops constant knowledge, and we just soak it up. And he's fun. So enjoy our conversation and our camaraderie. Cheers, everyone. We are so excited to have you here. I'm How are you doing? So, I'm, well, I'm more excited, so what's up with that? <laughs> like, I'm straight. I'm, like, really, really excited. Like, I can't contain myself. It's weird. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed about it. I want to drink this wine. I cannot wait to hear what bother you popped because... Man, you have a pretty big job at Vine Pair. <sighs> yeah, doing all the things, drinking all the things. It's a lot. But you, you're up for the challenge. If anybody can do it, <clears throat> you know, can do it. I love it so much. I yeah. love it so much. I love that I get to like teach. I mean, I'm reviewing wine. Is that wild? Yeah. I never. I, I don't. I, I, not, did you think this could actually be a job? Like, did you really in your wildest dreams think like, no, this is a job. People will pay you and it is a fine and upstanding, highly revered position. You know, I always considered it being one of those sort of like bucket list positions when you're coming up in wine and you're reading all the people talking and like, oh my God, that score makes that much. Is that, that person says that thing. And then this happens, that kind of influence is insane. And it's hard to be a part to, to kind of like, <laughs> you know, when, when uh, Vine Pair asked me, he said, Hey, Keith, would you mind reviewing wine? I was like, Oh, wow. what do you mean? Yeah. Would I mind? What right. kind of question Sounds is that? horrible. <laughs> I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me think. Let me think. Yeah. No, it was great. It was crazy because we actually, um, we started this wine review, which we hadn't had in the beginning. Vine Pair wasn't originally didn't have a wine review section of the site. So it was created, I think in 2017, 2018, I came in around 2018, 2019 to start reviewing wines. And we did a, a letter system because Robert Parker had developed, has, you know, he developed the point system based on the American education system. So we thought we'd change the game and be like, Hey, we're going to do a plus through B minus. Cause I mean, that's mm. the same thing, but it's letters, not numbers. It's cool. It's fun. It's innovative. And we did it for about two years and People were just the feedback was like, look, this is a really awesome idea, but um, points rule. And if you want to be kidding me, no, they're like, if you want to be on a uh, you want to be a talker on a shelf reviewed by Vine Pair Keith Beavers, just no one's gonna put a B plus or an A plus on, they're just not gonna do it because it's so ingrained in our culture. Because when Robert Parker, you know, came up with it, Marvin Schenken took it and ran with it. Um, and I think also wine enthusiasts, like everyone started doing it. The only Everybody people that, does numbers. Yeah. And like, like over the, over the, across the pond, they were doing like decanter has a five star system, but here in America, we learned about wine after, after prohibition, like into the, into the 1960s, into the seventies, we didn't know what we were doing because of 10 years of prohibition. And now we have wine. And so this guy, Robert Parker comes around and comes around and tells us how to do it. We're like, oh, finally. So then we have this, per we have this thing. So that's kind of where we were at. So we decided, well, we have to design a point system. How do you do that? <laughs> so, you know, we went and researched all the point systems, all the parameters, all the sections, all, all the little, the minutia of every, you know, bracket of 
this number to this number. And literally I sat down for a while and just started creating a point system for VinePair. So we didn't copy anybody's point system. We created our own. And I basically created something within the 100 point system that I felt comfortable reviewing because I love wine so much. I want everyone to have a chance. Um, and I wanted to make sure that the point system was rewarding on the upside. And we don't really talk a lot of smack. So we don't do, you know, we, we, I mean, I will do an 80 point if I have to, because if there's a, if there's something that has, that has to be said, I will say it. I won't be like, this wine sucks, don't buy it. <laughs> but you know, I'll be like, look, this is the situation. This is what the wine tastes like. This is what you're getting yourself into. Buy it if you'd like, but this is our take on it. And that's kind of what we do. So, so I have a, I have a question. Oh, what is the okay. proper title of this travel award that you just won? <laughs> so Keith, <laughs> um, you got your, do not disturb you. What, what's happening now? I don't know why these numbers? you do this. I don't know why you do this when I try to give you your flowers. <laughs> I take them and I put them in a vase and I admire them. That's what I do with them. Serena. <laughs> I voted for what, you. What is the name of the travel? Thank award? you. So it's wine travel award for unique route. And the unique route was how I presented um, wine tourism through my podcast. Awesome. So it. instead of just being like, oh, let's go on a tour, which I do that too. I talked about culture and food pairings and wine, talked to some winemakers. Super cool. And that was a unique way to present um, wine tourism. I love it. Congratulations again. So, hey, Leslie, you yeah, didn't do it again. People. You forgot. To, are you off mute? <laughs> nope, she's on mute. Well, my phone went off. <laughs> we have company. Um, Do we, we though? Keep his family. I don't know. That's what to say. Yeah, this might not be company. <laughs> Keith can go open a refrigerator on his own. Like it's fine. You don't have to ask. <laughs> okay, so before we get into structure of show, everybody, yes. welcome to the Swell Suite. How was your holiday weekend? Mine was uneventful, actually, yeah, because. So my wife is in Italy for two weeks. Um, Italy? Why aren't you with her? That's a good question. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I have to. I, I have to work, and also we're under renovation. We we, just, we I'm in a house, by the way. We bought a house. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations! Uh, congratulations. I'm in the home studio in the attic. I've built a sound uh, a soundproof home studio that I podcast Man. in. You the real nice. deal, Keith. We, right? we left New York City four years ago and lived in Newark, New Jersey for three years in downtown Newark. And then my wife needed a bigger studio because her art was getting bigger. So she bought it. She got a studio out in Orange, Orange, New Jersey, a big 3000 square foot former family um, services uh, building has a big garage in the front because her, her stuff's so big. She's taking walks up in these hills and she's like, these houses are beautiful. Should we buy one? I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what buy a house i had a restaurant for 10 years i don't want like what so we we did it i don't know how but it, in a pandemic in a low inventory environment we wow. went out into the oranges of jersey and we bought a house last year <laughs> so okay i'm in west orange new jersey now i can see manhattan from my deck which is kind of cool oh. mm -hmm. uh, that's cool see could Newark. you see the fireworks from your deck like could you see that no, they do I, fireworks anywhere? I heard the fireworks. I went out last night on my deck. I couldn't really see. I saw locals, you know, street blocks doing them like here in the hills. I live in the hills, like in the hills of a mountain yeah. in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And 
like all these pop, they just, they just look around. There's like pop, 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 pop all over the place. But I didn't see any grand uh, stuff. There, okay. there is a spot up here. You can go to a 9-11 memorial. It goes all the way up in the mountain. You can see all of New York City. Oh, wow. And I'm sure that was beautiful, but I'm sure I wasn't the only one thinking of going there. So I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I was like, if I get there at like nine or eight o'clock and there's like thousands of people, I'm driving home while fireworks are going off. Yep. I'm like, oh, this didn't yeah. work. Yeah. So yeah. I literally yeah. stayed home and watched a dumb Marvel movie and then I went to bed. But I heard them. Leslie, what yeah. about you? Do they do fireworks on the sticks? Yes, they do. <clears throat> yes, they do. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that right now. All I know is y'all know I live in the city and y'all's cousins and these fireworks. I don't, where are they getting them from? They were coming from all Pennsylvania. Like it's so, somebody said that in my story. All we had to do was sit in our front yard and they were all over the place, all throughout the sky. Like when you drive into like New York Avenue, they have the fireworks. Yeah. And I know they have them at Costco, too. But growing up, our fireworks didn't look like this. Mm -mm. No, this girl, you also didn't have the Internet. You can't compare (laughs) (laughs) like things develop. I got to say, advances. Yes. Like we just had a little sparkler in our hand. Or I'm just shoot rocket. up one time like a rocket, and then we'd right. be like, "Oh wow, cool!" Now they're getting all yeah. dangerous and big domestically now. Last yeah. July, I was—I I lit off a couple of them. I thought I was letting, lighting off the little ones, and someone gave me a box. I'm like, "What are these bombs?" And I was lighting yeah. these things off, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm so I, it's too scary for me, man." Yeah, and, uh, yeah. people have been here been popping off fireworks like since a month ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna keep all my fingers. Mm-mm. I'm gonna <laughs> no. set my eyebrows and hair on fire. No thanks. I want to mic check the real thing. I don't it's do legal in in the district in Maryland. It's not legal. Too. Well, they still do them though. I was gonna say nothing yeah. stops them. Yeah, yeah, but where we're positioned, we can see the fireworks from downtown. Then the harbor has fireworks, and then we can see Old Town's fireworks. Oh, too. okay. Well, that's, that's nice. Like, yeah. That's cool to see all of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I, I'm not as, I don't know, I'm old now. So it's just like after the first few bombs and bright lights, it's like, okay, well, Especially being that, in DC. that's all. I like yeah. organized fireworks. Like those, I'm like yeah. a kid watching those. Now, if you're just mm-hmm. shooting off a couple in the street, yeah. then no, I'm not here for your little hood show. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm calling an Uber. I'm out. I saw one building for <laughs> fire once. I was like, I'm done. This is over. I'm done. Well, well oh, let's no. talk about Uber. Let's talk about Uber. Okay. okay. So my parents went downtown. No, my yesterday? Parents, yes. My parents, oh, my parents oh. are older. So I was, my brother and I were both concerned about them driving downtown. They were going to take Metro, but um, did you see everybody in the line? (laughs) Well, no, my mom didn't, my mom didn't want to. So I said, I'll call it, I'll call an Uber for you. So going, and they were 18 and E over there. So near Foggy Bob. Going, it wasn't bad, right? They got there. Coming home. (laughs) <laughs> different story oh my goodness first of all you know it's spools because it's trying to find drivers and Ugh. then for the basic uber it's it's started, like 75 to get you home okay wait started, started, started at, at 50 75 dollars. started at 75, 75. Yeah. I was 75 to get home. 
And then my parents gave me the wrong address. So I had to cancel it. And oh. it jumped. In a matter of three minutes, it jumped to 80 some dollars. So I was like trying to do the competitive thing between Uber and Lyft. And <laughs> Lyft was just punching you in the throat at $95. So I just. No, ma'am. <laughs> so at a point you like mom, you like mom and dad, y'all have to walk. I'm I'm sorry. Like, Good luck. And, and at one point I was like, would it be easier for me to jump in my car and just go get them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then what we finally, I finally got the Uber to them. Mm -hmm. They made it home. They wanted to be downtown. Like they just didn't want to go to the harbor and do that. Well, they had well, so they have they have a hookup, you know, the freelos always have a hookup and um, if they go and they have like this dining experience oh, and, it's, thing. Like, it okay. the, and you can see all the fireworks downtown. Okay. Without, you know, the, so it was, it was definitely a hookup. I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll the trick them. is you have to stay there. I was about to say, the, yeah, just spend the yeah. night. You can't somewhere. be like, oh, the fireworks are over. Okay, now I'm leaving. No, you nah. got to stay there like a smooth two yeah. more hours. Yeah, no. Yeah. Let everything you die down. Closes down, so you got to find a place to eat real quick. Mm -hmm. The minute those fireworks end, you got to know where you're going to eat if you're going to eat. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And you got to wait out. Yeah. You got to wait out the metro. Like that thing's nuts. I remember. I well, you know, it's, it's even worse now. Oh my God. I just, I, cause I lived in Montgomery County. I lived in Damascus, Maryland. So we would oh, drive yeah. in. Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. We didn't, mm -hmm. we'd go to the Shady Grove and we'd take in Shady Grove in. Yeah. And then Damascus. Oh, yeah. Damascus, Maryland. Dry town. Yeah, I'm like, you live <laughs> in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you might as well just drive in from no Philadelphia. It's no longer oh. dry. Did you know that? Damascus is no longer dry. I know from 1865 to 2012. <laughs> I'll wow. tell you what, right now, the first place I ever worked was Ray's Diner over there. Like, just kind of, <laughs> When, 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 when Damascus curves and the main street curves, there's a little thing here. There's right next to the Druid. used to be called the Druid. Now it's a CVS. Uh, just next to it is this is a diner called Ray's Diner. So back in two, uh, two, 2018, when I was in D.C., I thought I'd take a drive to my old town because I haven't been there in so long. I saw Jimmy Cohn. I was like, oh, Jimmy Cohn. I remember that. But then I looked at my old place where I used to live, where I used to work. It has alcohol now. Yes, it has it's alcohol. Called, it's called the Hornets Bar. It's a bar that has the, the, the high school mascot teams. Wow. Mascot is the name of the bar. So all the parents of the high school kids are drinking at the Hornets club. What are the kids doing? Well, I know what I did. <laughs> Back in the wow. day, they drink the, under the bleachers. I was drinking under the bleachers wow. and yeah. in the woods, keggers mm. in the woods. That was our thing. So I, close, I but yet say, so far. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith just lost his two front teeth when he just went into <laughs> down memory lane. <laughs> and he pulled up his overalls, okay? He snapped them firmly <laughs> in place. Yeah. They still fit me. <laughs> so, Keith, yeah. welcome back to the Swell Suite. Thank you for having me back. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy. Of course. Of course. So, you're like the big man in wine podcasting now. You have a very <laughs> yes, I am the man. Y'all both laugh like you couldn't get that out with a straight face. Yes. <laughs> I am. Thank you. <laughs> For those who don't know you, um, uh, introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, everyone. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am currently the well. I am the tastings director of Vine Pair, and. I work for a company called Vine Pair. It's an online wine, beer, and spirits magazine. 
Um, and what we, our motto is drinking is culture. So we talk about all drinks equally. Um, I'm on the wine side. And in addition to being the tasting director, well, being the tasting director, what that means is I taste all the wine. So anytime we have a roundup of the best of, anytime we do an annual list, it's very important. I'm the guy that leads the entire tasting and I'm the one that decides which wines will go into a list. Not for the big ones. For the big ones, we have a larger panel. I do, I do taste with, with, a, with a panel, but I, have the, I make the, the end decision. But for the larger list, the annuals that go out really big, we, get a, we have the entire staff together. We all go out on the roof deck in Manhattan and then we taste all these wines and we fight and see which wines go in the list because we're very passionate about what we do. Um, in addition to that, I also have a podcast. <laughs> so, I have a podcast called Wine 101. Um, it's an educational podcast that literally is educated. I mean, it's like straight up educational. Like it's no, it's it's literally like the first episode is how wine is made. And then it goes how how vines grow, then how it was red, white, rosé, sparkling. I just do, I'm just, if, if it's about wine, I'm talking about it 20 minutes at a time. That's my thing. Um, in addition to that, I also produce most of the podcasts in the Vine Pair Podcast Network because I have a degree, a background in recording and engineering. So I produce my podcast. I, pro I produce a podcast called Cocktail College, which is a great podcast about taking a classic cocktail and then interviewing an expert in the field and interviewing them about the history of the cocktail, the proper way to make it and all this stuff. It's a great podcast. And then I also produce a podcast called Going Out with Jake Cornell, which is our first sort of lifestyle podcast which uh, Jake Cornell is a comedian. He's been working in the restaurant industry of New York for a very for about 10 years. And his comedy is based on hospitality and fun. <laughs> so he has a really cool podcast and he interviews a lot of really cool comedians. He's a comedian himself. He no longer works in the hospitality industry because now he's a comedian, he's full-time. And I produce that. So that's all I do. And whatever else Vine Pair asks me. <laughs> that's all you do. Uh, so I have a question. Why are these lists for vam for vampire oh, <laughs> wine pairs? Right. Why are they vampire so diaries? <laughs> Why are they so important? When you're looking, when you're in wine, you're I mean, when you're a wine consumer, you really just need the information, right? I mean, we can wax on and off about diurnal fluctuations in limestone soils and stuff like that, and only sixty to ninety percent of this variety is allowed in this wine. But there, at the end of the day. The American drinking culture is fast and furious. Like we have internet. So it's like, give me my information and help me out. So what we do is these lists are a streamlined example of what we feel at this moment in time is the best on the shelves across the states. We can't guarantee that all these wines are going to be in every wine shop, but we do know that the wines. The quality of the wine, and they are in distribution. I mean, again, post-prohibition, like this country with the with the liquor laws is nuts. But like, you know, I mean, we want to make sure we want to have a list available. So, and we're also a very vine pairs ad, of, of course, um, iPhone and smartphone friendly. So you can go into the re the review site very easily on the iPhone, and go and search the wine you're looking for. And there's a really good chance it'll be reviewed. So at some point, what we'll do is we gather all the all the ones we reviewed the best, and then we put them in a list, or we'll put a submission out. For example, we did a submission of Cabernet Sauvignon. We tasted hundreds, three, four, I think it's four, four hundred Cabernet Sauvignons from across the country. 
like I breathe there as a lot. Right. <laughs> and so it was a lot, but what we, it was, it was a lot. And it was, it, I mean, it's intense. It's intense. Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, this is not like, this is Cabernet Sauvignon. This is tannins. And this is like intense stuff, you know? I mean, yes, it's blended, you know, a lot, but still there are single vineyards out there, whatever. But like, that was a lot of work. And we, out of hundreds of Cabernet Sauvignon, we came up with 25 that we think were yeah. awesome for you in 2022. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. Um, but yeah, does that, does that answer the question? I mean, I think it's what we do is we, we want to streamline the information for people. We want to help. All we ever want to do at Vine Pair is help you and wine in your regular busy ass life. You know, like you're busy. We get you. We're here to help. I, um, I listened, I think it was, it had to be 2021's list. And I listened to the episode. It's actually, I think it was a couple episodes that you guys had done, like the best of. And um, I appreciated the fact that you do consider that little unknown winery someplace. It's not just a whole bunch of large distributors saying, right. hey, we want to we want to get on this list because we know what that means, mm. that people will start buying it. You you drill down below that level. And it, to me, it gives it some type of credibility and credence to it. And, and I'm not saying like there are certain publications that will remain nameless that probably only get the ones from the um, large distributors and uh, don't drill down, you know, beyond right. what is sent to them. And right. so I really appreciate that you guys do it because you do pick local wines and you recognize that the country is made up of more than the top five producers. Yeah. Thank you. And that's honestly, how do I, how do I say this? I am, it's all I ever want to do. I, I, I can't imagine why any publication would deny any wine across their palates. I, I just don't get it. I'm like, what's up? Wine is one of the most fascinating, amazing things we have, um, of all the alcoholic drinks, it ages in a way that nothing else does. It's contemplative. It's communal. There's so much about it. It's, 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 it's tied to agriculture more than anything. You can live and die by a vintage. Like, what are we doing? Are we going to deny people that are working really hard to make great wine, yeah. even mm -hmm. the smallest capacity, breaking their necks, they're calloused. They decided to do something and do it right. And then we're going to say, you know what? You're just not big enough. We don't see a lot of distribution. Yes. You know, I mean, at one point, mm -hmm. distribution was a big deal. Pre-pandemic, we didn't know this, you know, direct-to-consumer was a, was a weird world. It took the pandemic for everyone, especially us, to be like, wait, everything's DTC, direct-to-customer. Like, there's so much of it out there, and we're mm -hmm. missing all this stuff. For example, I have in front of me a bunch of wines that are only DTC. I have this one right here. This is a Semillon from 136-year-old vine Semillon at the Monte Rosso Vineyard in Sonoma. What? Why are we talking about that? You know, I mean, I went to uh, Adam Teeter, the vine pair uh, CEO, and I last July. This weekend, last year, we're in Lancaster, the Lank, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we went to a winery in the southern part of that county. And Ed and his wife, amazing people, 
we, we, before we tasted the wine, he's like, let me show you the vineyard. So we walked through a cornfield, walked up a hill past another cornfield. And at the top of the hill is a vineyard, Nebbiolo, Barbera, Cab mm. Franc. And we, then we went back to their home. There's this home from like the 1800s. They're rebuilding. It's beautiful. One of those, one of those fireplaces you could like walk into. Of course you never would, <laughs> but we tried their Nebbiolo. He does rosé to age. So he's building rosé that he wants to age for five years, like Tavel. Or is it Tavel? Tanisha, help me out here. Um, I can't pronounce that stuff. But Tavel. Tavel. Yeah, the first one. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So, I mean, we have to be able to do this. I will say this. I do a lot of this. I'm very, very passionate about American wine. It, in 2019, I went to Paso Robles. I'd never been to that AVA in my life. I'd never, I'd heard of it, you know, Justin Wines and all that. And I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I traveled more in 2019 than I have in my life. And one of the places I went was Paso Robles. And I was blown away, fascinated and floored of, about what they're doing over there. They work with over 40 different varieties of grapes. In Paso alone, I had a Claret, which is a blending variety from the Rhone that was on the lees for seven months and tasted like gold. You know, I, 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 I was blown. I was like, this is, wait, wait, there's so much more to American wine than just everything else. And that was the moment I was so annoying. I got back to New York and I'm like, Paso, 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 Paso. And everyone's like, geez, shut up. God, okay, we get it. You love the wine there, my God. And I was getting wine sent from Paso because I was so excited about it. Like this wine here, this is a uh, Thatcher. This is an Agret. Um, and in 2020, well, in the end of 2019, we did a travel guide. And of course the pandemic happened, but before the pandemic, Paso Robles was our number one travel destination in 2020 because I was floored. And then recently I was able to go out to, and that always stuck with me, diversity, American diversity, that's wine. It's not just that Cabernet Sauvignon is Napa, that Riesling is New York, and that, you know, Pinot Noir is Willamette. Yeah, it's cool, but there's so much more. South of Willamette Valley is the Rogue Valley, where they're doing Cab Franc and Riesling and Gewurztraminer. You know, it's like cool stuff that no one's talking about. So when the, when, when the, um, you know, we got back to work and stuff and we were able to travel again, uh, Gallo, who sponsors my podcast, asked, Adam and I to go out to Sonoma and Napa for a week and record audio and, you know, understand what's going on there. So I did these videos and I went to Monte Rosa Vineyard and an amazing person named Brene Royal has been managing that vineyard since 2013. And she's turned that thing from, well, it was already great. I mean, like the, the vineyards, it's one of the most famous vineyards in America. It's one of the largest vineyards in the region. It's the Monte Rosa Vineyard. It's huge. It's, it's, it's from 1933 on. And it's not that it was, wasn't doing bad, but she took it and turned it around, turned it into a whole new thing. And it's exciting. And I'm walking through this vineyard. I'm seeing Sangiovese. I'm seeing Semillon. I'm seeing all these different varieties. I'm like, wow, here we are again. <laughs> here I am again in, a, in an American wine region. And again, I'm seeing this diversity that no one's talking about. I just couldn't believe it. So that's why I do that. I'm very adamant about it. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm excited about it. And I want American wine drinkers to understand that we are more than 
just brands. We are a special place with special wines. We just got to find them. And I want to be the one to find them. That was no, that was a passionate testimony. No, I appreciate that. And I'm really sorry. I, I, you guys know. No, I, I, I really appreciate that. And the, that's why the lists are important. Yes, they are because we're here to help. And we want people to see, like we put on our top 25 list of Rose this year, we put Vox Vanetti from Pennsylvania on there. Mm. Oh, you went to Vox Vanetti? Oh, I've been there. That's where I went. That was my first, my first um, press trip was Pennsylvania. The Yeah. Yeah. Vox Vanetti is where we went. The best, well, it was the, the best food and wine experience of my life. Oh, they're Nebbiolo. We put it on the best of best 50 we had last year. Was, yeah. the, the Nebbiolo was amazing. Yeah. That wine, yeah, that winery wine. is impressive. Yeah, they those two, they're awesome. Back to the podcasting. Oh, you said that you majored in audio no. engineering. <laughs> so yeah, I went to a trade. Well, I, I don't know what it's called now. It's called Full Sail. It's in Orlando, Florida. It was a trade school back in 1998. <laughs> um and I was in Maryland, you know, I graduated from Damascus High School and I didn't go to college. I didn't want to. I didn't know what to do. And I would I was much more excited about playing guitar and growing my hair this long and rocking out in DC, bro, at the black cat. Um <laughs> never got to the black cat. Um <laughs> I made it as far as Wisconsin Avenue. The black but, cat's um, cool. You know, <laughs> oh, some of those bars in Wisconsin back in the day. I don't know. Oh, but, um, I'm gonna need some pictures of this long hair, though. <laughs> I'll have it. I have a picture. It's, yeah, I just had to turn oh, yeah. for that. Yeah. We're, that's gonna mode. be the podcast picture we put up <laughs> oh, on the my social God. media. Yeah, that's that's perfect. With, with the ponytail. Yeah. So did I send, I, sent, I sent the wrong bio picture, didn't I? You did. Oh, damn. Clearly. <laughs> Try again. Try again. You have a little time. <laughs> so I, I I was in I, I was a I was a I was rocking and rolling. I was like partying in Maryland, you know, like Montgomery County and doing my thing. And I was like, I don't want to go to school. And then the band broke up and everyone went to school. I'm like, I still don't want to go to school. <laughs> so my parents found this 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 uh, this trade school called Full Sail. It's in Orlando, Florida, and it's recording engineering, um, film and um, recording engineering, film and graphic effects school for children with ADD who can't seem to go to college and get their shit together. So I, I went to Full Sail and I actually excelled. I could, I was not a good student in high school, but I went to Full Sail and I excelled in Full Sail, and I got a degree there for recording and engineering with a focus in post-production. So that job got me, that degree got me a job in New York City. So that's how I got to New York. And I was in the music industry in New York. Um, I worked for a little post-production studio. A um, couple credits I have here. Met Lenny Kravitz, recorded a rap between Mr. T and Tony Randall for Nick at Night. Um, Okay, this is the best highlights right there. That's basically it. But that <laughs> Mr. T is the coolest dude in the world. He walked into the studio with his chains on. Like he wears them. Like so in real life. That's the thing. He doesn't take in them real off. life. Yeah. In real life. This is like this is 2000. This is like right before this is like 2000. Like he he was wearing them. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I was like honestly, you'd have to. I mean, cuz really you have to hire a person at night to take off all of those chains. Now, I can't imagine what his neck looks like underneath there. Oh, we won't go there. Work. 
the core work. God, it's like just getting up in the morning. Oh, I did that for a while. That was, it was interesting. It shut down the, the studio closed. And then I, that was the end of my music career because September 11th happened in New York city. Um, and that was that. Right. So I ended up going to school to be a history teacher. I didn't know what I was doing. And I, cause no one was hiring in the music industry anymore. And then I ended up having to get a job and I got a job at a little trattoria in the East village. And that's how the wine thing started. I never went back to music ever again. I mean, I have my guitar and I, I play, but I mean, come on, I'm not a band. Um, so, it, so it's just wild that like here I am at 47 and I'm teaching wine. I'd gone to school to be a history teacher, but now I'm teaching wine, which is history. And I am recording and engineering my own podcast on Vine Pair and producing all the other ones. Full circle, man. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy stuff. So yeah, I have a degree in recording engineering. That's how I started the first podcast. Because I was like, when I, when, I, when, I, when I closed my restaurant and everything, I'm like, what do I do with my life? I'll start a podcast. <laughs> so I met you guys. It's great. <laughs> so do you have a specific process um, for, I mean, you produce a wine pot, like a bunch of like wine and I guess spirit, like podcasts. Do you have a process for that? Um, well, the production wise, um, it's interesting being a producer on a podcast there, you know, the word producer is such a slippery title, you it know, is. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm the audio engineer, but I'm also the, the, the one, the person that tries to put the thing together to make sure that it sounds great. So we always make sure that we have a good intro and we make sure that we have really good and, um, music. So we, I have, we have a friend who's a musician and I love his music. And when we first started doing this, I was like, we have to reach out to Darby Seasai because Darby Seasai is amazing. And Darby Seasai created the music for Wine 101. Um, so we want to make sure we have good music. We have to make sure that we have a good intro. We want to make sure that the sound quality is perfect. And we want to make sure, and I have to make sure that my, what I'm doing is good because at the end of the day, when you're podcasting post-pandemic, Zoom is a thing and, 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 and audio quality is different. So I have to make sure that when I'm bringing on a remote guest, I have to make sure that it, that it sounds good. As far as content is concerned, I don't really have to do, do the content. There's actually the, like for the Jake, going out with Jake Cornell, Katie Brown is the producer for that show. And I interact with her and we, you know, I have advice. I mean, we, we talk about stuff. I'm not going to say this is what you have to do to make it work, but like, I'm, I'm like, you know what would be really cool if we did this? Oh, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. That's kind of how it works. So for that's really how, how it is. And for Cocktail College, Tim McCurdy, I mean, this guy, he's our senior staff writer at VinePair. He um he has such a good relationship with the bar community in New York that he has been able to draw upon some amazing talent um in the drinks industry remote and in New York and the episodes he has are amazing. So he does all that. Um, I just record all, you know, I record and, and kind of help out for my podcast is a whole different story. <laughs> my podcast is crazy. I just, I just ramble and I edit it. Like I, I take notes and I literally don't have a script. I, my podcast is me just, you you can tell I like to talk. So I, I literally just talk and I edit myself. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's kind of what it looks like, you know, but it's a lot of fun. We have a, um, 
Vine pair is growing pretty fast. When we first, we doubled in size during the pandemic and we had just moved into a brand new, beautiful um, office space. It was a big deal. It was a big deal for Vine pair to move in this space. It was in the top floor of a building on Fifth Avenue. The elevator opens into the room, that kind of stuff, you know? And there, when it opens up, there's a view of the Empire State Building right when you walk into the offices. It's just an absolute beautiful space. Um, and then we had to leave and we didn't go back for however long. And then we came back. Um, but when we came back, <laughs> we were bigger. So now we've taken a second floor in the building. And that floor is more for entertaining and for social media work. And we also built a full soundproof professional podcasting studio for the first time. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, the last podcasting studio was upstairs in the back tasting room. And I think I did a pretty good job at soundproofing that. But like, this is actually, you know, you look at it, it's like, oh, wow, this is a studio. <laughs> you know, it's an actual studio. Unfortunately. <laughs> what's in your glass what are you what are you having today i am drinking uh, speaking of american wine oh uh, we were in um we were in sonoma adam and i ceo of vine pair and it was such an amazing experience you know just you know with Brene and everything that was just like mind-blowing and then we go to this winery called kokomo winery and eric miller is one of the most amazing i mean this guy is a genius the, listening to him talk about wine and the science of it and how he makes it like you're like talking to you're like whoa we're in class i need to take notes you're good and so he makes these amazing wines for kokomo winery and actually their pinot noir made our top 20 top pinot noirs of 2022 um but when we went out to visit him he really likes vine pair a lot we were just talking and riffing and all this stuff we were trying we were getting loose the filters were coming off and um we were talking about natural wine which we can talk about that. Not a fan. Um, just the, the term natural wine. I hate it. Um, and we were talking about that and it's fun talking to Nat to winemakers about that particular term. Cause they love it or hate it. A lot of them hate it. But one thing Eric Miller did, he's like, I hate it, but I decided to own it. So what I did is I, I created a different company or a different wine line of wines called breaking bread. And what he did was he's like, okay, if we're going to make natural wine, we're going to make it like, again, what is natural wine? If we're going to make wine that everyone, that, that people consider natural, we're going to do it. We're going to do it clean, focused, and awesome. So this is part of that. He did a skin contact Moscato Bianco, Muscat Blanc. And then he actually made one still and he gave it, we, we tasted them side by side. It was wild. The same vineyard, same vintage, different styles, beautiful, both of them for their own reasons. So what this is, and I love this, again, this is an American diversity. Zinfandel is such an important grape in our American wine culture. Mm -hmm. It was on Howell Mountain and Mount Veter before there was Cab, there was Zin. Before Pinot Noir and Chardonnay ruled Sonoma, it was Zin. Zin has been there forever and it's been neglected. Oh, it was overdone in the 90s. That whole old old vine thing was a mess. <laughs> and you know, so it's 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 ours. It's it's Croatian, but it's it's kind of ours. So and white Zinfandel is a thing. So this is not a white Zinfandel. This is a Zinfandel. It's a rose. So, you know, it's like it's not white Zinfandel. You know, you can how long kick... has it been? Um, how long has it left on the skins? Because it's so light. It's unfined and unfiltered. Okay. So it's light, but it's a little bit cloudy. Oh, I see it. Yeah. What is that? 
Um, and what he's doing with, with that is he, he's allowing the lees and the proteins to stay in the wine. He's not stripping the wine of its fat. It's a, he's allowing that fat wash to be, I said fat wash, this is that cocktail college thing. <laughs> um, he's letting that, he's letting that, those proteins like kind of thicken up and, and be part of it. So when you're sipping this wine, it, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's like peaches and apricots and all kinds of tropical notes. And it's, it's just like, and it's just high acid and it's just such a refreshing wine. But then in addition to that, there's this beautiful coating of your palate and it's not sugar. It's literally the compounds and the phenolics. There he is again, the phenolics in the wine. So it, it's, it's just, it's, it's an, for me, it's, it's an, it's an example of a wine that is made in a way and I like it. It's not natural because there's no such thing. Well, Why you know, it's, you, you guys did, um, Keith, I spend a lot of time in my car and I listen to podcasts <laughs> a lot, but I remember, I think y'all did like the top five wine myths or something. Mm. And I, and, and now that you're saying this, I, it was you, it was, it was you who went on a rant about natural <laughs> wines. And it was an R-A-N-T rant. <laughs> yes. It, it was yes, like I'm having flashbacks. Could yeah, Adam, Adam just goes, let Keith out of his cage and let him talk. Just like unleash the boy and let him say what he wants to say. <laughs> Let's get it on the record. So he starts, stops annoying us in the office about it. Because all I ever do is annoy people about the natural wine thing. It's a movement that unfortunately exists and hopefully it's dying. And <sighs> I just like really good wine. I mean, I mean, Tanisha know, will probably know uh, being so integrated in the French, you know, wine culture, the gang of four, these four winemakers in the 1960s in Beaujolais that were um, uh, inspired by the work of chemist Beaujolais, chemist, <laughs> chemist uh, was in the Jules Chavot, and um, he had a whole idea of low intervention and all that stuff. So these guys started this thing. It got popular. Went to the got to the Loire. Got to the wine bars of Paris. It was a fun little thing. It was fun, and they were probably doing really great wine. And then they came here, and we supersized it, and we messed it all up. We messed it all up. We started doing weird things. The thing is, right now, the natural wine movement is the new vanity project in America. You know, it's the the cult cab thing's no longer a thing. You don't get a bunch of Silicon Valley money up in Mount Howell Mountain doing vanity projects with cab. You get people from LA and San Francisco in the hipster community coming up, buying the cheapest grapes they can find, putting them into a vat, infecting their barrel with Britannomyces and making themselves some natural wine and then selling it. And it doesn't matter what variety it is because it all tastes the same. It could be Merlot, it could be this, it could be that. It's all just like mouse and band-aids and just the stuff that Britannomyces actually creates, mm -hmm. which continues to eat the, the sugar of a wine after yeah. the Saccharomyces is done. So it's like, what are we doing? I actually had a wine that was sent to me. It was a Carignan Grenache Movedra blend from Texas. I was excited. 12.5% alcohol. How is the, How are those three varieties big, tannic, bold wines that make, they make bold wines. Did you find out how that happened? Yeah, Britannomyces. <sighs> so what happens is no one is, no one cares anymore in, in that community, in the, in the natural wine movement, no one really cares what happens to your barrels or your winery. 
Some people actually infect their barrels with botanomyces. That's what I'm hearing because they want that mouse. And that's what's happening. And it's unfortunate because you have these wines, like they're the soul was eaten out of that wine. You know, it could have been a beautiful, deep, full body Texas. I love Texas wine, Texas Tempranillo, Texas Graciano. I gave a Texas Morvedra. I, I put, I put or nominated and tasted with the panel last year in the top 50 that we do every year, the top 50 wines we taste in a year. I put a Mavedra from Texas because I like them. I like good wine. I do. I just don't, it's just weird when people are really excited about wines that have the soul eaten out of them that hurt. They're violent. <laughs> Violence. These wines. Um, I just, uh, and the thing is, I, I see, I see it. It's like, it's like eating a poisse or, or like eating the maggot cheese from Sardinia, which I did back in 2017. And yeah, it's maggot cheese. The maggots are alive. They're jumping out of the cheese. It's delicious. I had it with a cannon owl. I have pictures too. I'll send you those pictures as well. <laughs> yeah. Send me that picture. I have a video of the little guys jumping around. Um, yo, this isn't here. I'm going to need the picture and the video. I have both. I have both. Yeah, please send those. <laughs> They're great. It was in Sardinia. I can have, it's a great story. Actually, was yeah. I was actually. I ended up stranded in Sardinia. That was fun. But um, you know, I people have preferences within the sort of spoilage realm, right? Um, and that's okay. It's just part of you know nasty, stinky cheese. There's some stinky meats out there. There's some stinky stuff out there that people dig. We like pain sometimes. That's why we drink seltzer. Well, up here we do in the, in, in the Northeast, and that's cool. But the thing with natural wine is not an appreciation of spoilage turning into something wonderful. It's an, it's an appreciation of something that's gone. It's not coming back and it went too quick and you weren't, you didn't, you didn't get to experience anything because it's gone. Um, so I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent on that. Cause I guess you could listen to that episode, but I could go off forever. I'm an educator. I love to educate in wine. I think it's important for America, a young country in an even younger wine culture, to help people along on their journey of wine. And I only want to teach people things that actually have definitions. Organic wine has a certification. Biodynamic wine has a certification. Sustainability has a definition and an idea behind it that is attached to those two things and more. There's a history there. There's no, I can't teach natural wine. I can't, there's no definition. There's no, I can tell a story about a movement that started in the 1960s in, in Beaujolais, or even, even before that, during the Industrial Revolution, Liber Reform, which is the sort of first organic movement in Germany before when Robert Steiner was coming up in, the 19, in like 1912 and stuff like that. But that's a story. That's not, it's not helping people at all. So people are going to go to a wine shop and go, yes, can I have one of those wines that is alive or? What, what raw it's alive. It, no. Yeah. All wines alive. It's, 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 it's organic compounds. And so I have two questions. Um, Leslie, what are you drinking? I see you have a cocktail there. Mm. I, I, um, I got this at the farmer's market. What is it? One. It is oh, twin it's Valley farmer's market. Yeah. It's twin oh, Valley, nice. you know, the distillery. Yeah. And they have so yummy this cocktail which I didn't realize that this is a cocktail that you can actually make, but um, oh, wow. it's this cocktail that has um, tamarind. I've never had tamarind before. Mm -hmm. 
sugar, water, and bourbon. That's all you need. It is awesome. so delicious. The first time I had it, I added ginger beer to it. And, and I didn't have any, now I don't have any ginger beer. And I was like, let me just have it on its own. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like a cross between a whiskey sour and a ginger beer tropical drink. It is. Oh, very nice. Delicious. Yeah. That's very delicious. nice. I'm actually yeah. drinking a cocktail as well today. I'm drinking a watermelon Ooh. margarita. Ooh, very nice. It's frozen. Oh, it summer. Oh, it summer. <laughs> uh, very oh. nice. <laughs> so I have one more serious question for all of you guys uh, before we move to our little game. Mm. Um, how do you find good wine? I know we have like a wealth of information because of the industry that we're in, but what advice would you give to our listeners to finding good wine? Please. Okay, so how what the advice I well, I had this weird thing that I do. I always I always tell people if they're in a supermarket to go for European wine because it's often that European wine, affordable European wine in the American market is made in co-ops. And co-ops are an amazing part of European wine culture that at one time was a little bit rough, but then when the EU came around and started subsidizing all these co-ops throughout the throughout the EU, co-op wine became more than ever before. And actually it's a very cool, these winemakers, they're putting more of their time, money, and energy into their agriculture and having a facility that they're a membership of membership of to actually make the wine and put their label on. So that by the time it gets to the three-tier system, it's still affordable for us. That's like a little trick that I usually do um, with wine. I don't want to discount any American wine, of course, but I'm just saying that's that's the kind of like, if you're looking for some solid weeknight stuff, I always just say go for a European wine. And if you're in a supermarket, if you're in a wine shop, absolutely, 100%, you must employ the advice of the people there. I mean, if you don't, you have a, a wealth of knowledge right there. And if they're not cool, don't go back because it's going to, it's going to suck the next time too. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got, it's tough. It's tough out there in the, in the U S you got to find a wine shop. That's awesome. Cause you're on a journey and you want to do more than just what you've done and you want to step it up and you, you just have to find a place. Maybe it's an online forum. If you can't find it, maybe it's DTC somehow. I don't know, but like, if it's a wine, wine shops, just they the wine they buy all the wine and put it on the shelves they make the decisions and so they know all the things I, I always say um like pick a region that you that you like you may not know it but pick a region that you like and um find out what grape does well in that region and start tasting that way. And then you can venture out to like other grapes that are not as popular in that region. But that's a good way to, you know, not guarantee, but you have some success there because you know that grape grows well. So like how bad can you crap it up? I mean, it's possible, but. <laughs> like Petite Man saying in Virginia, it's the new Chardonnay. I love it. Um, I think my answer would be just just like yours, Keith, find a good wine shop. Now that things are pretty much open, also find a good wine bar where you can just go in there and get to know the bartender and they'll just start pouring you interesting things. And that's a really good way to learn something new. And then also follow the people, follow people who like to talk about wine, especially um, wine people in your city. They will point you in the right direction. I know a lot of times, like, we'll get wine that you don't have access to. But every now and then, 
you know, we'll have wine that you can find in your local shop. So that's my answer. All right. So this is a game. It is a this or that. All things cold. First one. Water ice or gelato? Gelato. Because like I had an Italian restaurant. So <laughs> my chef made gelato. But then again, I grew up in the 80s in Tallahassee, Florida. So mm. I like snow cones as well. Oh. But I got to say, in my adult life, it's gelato. Got it. What is water ice? Are you serious right now? <laughs> you ain't even want to Google that when you saw it in the show notes? Are you kidding? I know you don't eat ice. Wait, I know you don't eat ice cream, but water ice is different. She don't like cold stuff. Remember, she got heated up. It's, it's pure. <laughs> I don't like the texture. Then it's just mouth. water. It's pure. So you never fruit you never have your um your margaritas frozen. Yeah, and I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't like it. Can you heat okay. this up, please? <laughs> I like it. I like it over ice. I don't. Okay. I don't like. Right. Can you take the they, rocks out, please? Is Thank it? You. Is it? Is it a snowball? Is that what water ice is? No, it's smoother. The texture is 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 smoother. Um, gosh, how do you? Yeah, you might have to Google it so you can see some. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Google that. I'm gonna have to Google because even like the when I made my um. So okay, the way I make a watermelon margarita is I freeze watermelon cubes. Yes, Mm -hmm. and then I add tequila and lime juice, and then that's it. Right, it's already sweet, right? So the yeah. texture that comes out when you blend fruit is like water ice. Oh, it's not okay, like a slushy okay. because it's not icy. It's just, it's yes. smooth. Yeah, the oh, natural okay. sugars are all like yeah. coagulated and frozen. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I'll take that for 200, Alex. Like a thicker <laughs> Slurpee, maybe? Yeah, I can do yeah, that. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whoa. Didn't expect that. Uh, gelato is my answer <laughs> same gelato yeah gelato is my answer <laughs> okay potato salad or coleslaw potato salad hands down potato salad God, I love 100% it. potato salad love uh, potato salad but I can only eat some people's potato salad I don't eat all who made the potato salad who made the potato salad <laughs> exactly it's potato salad but there are caveats absolutely, absolutely. yes mess sure. of stuff mess of yeah. stuff Okay. And of all the things that people make, why the caveat with um potato salad? I don't know, but be- because it, it got it mayonnaise exists. in it, and it can be weird. It could be I don't know. It's really you easy say, to mess up. I'm just saying, like of all the things, not saying this like like y'all got to come up with an answer right now, but just <laughs> of one. all the one. things that people could make or that people make and bring and stuff, it's always like, wait, but who made the potato salad? Because either it's good or it's not. It's no in between. Yes. With Your potato red onion better be good and diced well and well. That's all. The mayo, the mayo better not be light. It better not be diet. It better be everything <laughs> full fat. You have a potato salad? You ever have a potato salad with diet or fat-free mayo? Ew, that sounds good. It's fat-free mayo. It's all, yeah. it's just oil and egg yeah. whites. What are you doing to make it not, and then you put that into a potato salad yeah. and just, it's all watery. And, and then I've had potato salad that had too many vegetables in it or they weren't oh, yeah. chopped up properly. Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah. wrong. You, the celery needs to be to diced. The yeah. celery needs to be diced or yeah. it, needs yeah. to be, it needs to be mooned and it mooned yeah. has to be thin. <laughs> I have caveats. Yes. <laughs> and and you know what else? What? The potatoes have to be cooked. Oh, now, that's a that's for a sure. Oh, no, but you have you had people with like you're like you no. could have left this in there a little while longer. This is great. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> oh, I don't need seconds. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you right. Oh my god. Oh my god. We microwave my potato salad so we can soften these potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so we can warm this up. Yeah, but then that gets all kinds of different world. You you microwave potato salad, things get weird. Mm, ew. Coagulation, ew. curling. Mm-mm. No, Blessed just need her food warmer. It can't be cold. <laughs> it, can't out be the <laughs> it can't be cold, cold. It's about cold. So we gotta, <laughs> all right? We gotta warm this up. It's all about texture. Okay. Okay, so next one. Lemonade or sweet tea? And no, you cannot combine them. Sweet tea. Absolutely. I'm from the South. Sweet tea's there. Sunny, sunny barbecue. My entire childhood. From Lemonade. Florida, Georgia. Mm. Love sunny. Were you shocked when you ordered a um an iced tea here and you first drank it and you were like, what is wrong? I was like, this is sir. <laughs> Do you guys put anything in your tea? It was like you sit and you're like, oh, this is like it's like the driest thing on your palate and it's yeah. wet and it's dry, but it's like this is this has no flavor. Mm-hmm. This is nothing. Right. Brown. And I was the opposite in college when I ordered an iced tea in North Carolina and it was sweet. I was like, Uh, what is this? (laughs) I I choose lemonade. But when I went to college, when I went to Baltimore, I don't know if half and half started in Baltimore, but that was the first place I had it. The Honor Palmer. Yeah. Well, I Mm -hmm. guess we'll call it Honor Palmer. But yeah, when you went to Baltimore carryouts, you say I want a half and half. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Uh huh. Yeah. You go to especially like a chicken spot. Half oh, and half and a chicken box. Cute. Yep. Just a in a chicken box. Gazpacho or not? Gazpacho, hell yeah. I love gazpacho. Yeah. You yeah. eat gazpacho though? Oh, with white wine? You get like a gazpacho with a No, clean... I love it. I'm looking at Leslie because she's like, right. You don't want to heat oh, it up, oh. Leslie? <laughs> oh no, I love that. It's see, okay, so what uh, you guys are tomato. failing to understand. <laughs> It is we still don't understand it. This cute, you want to explain it, but mm-mm. texture <laughs> and temperature, the creaminess of the ice cream and the cold, I can't handle. But I can do gazpacho because it's not like that smooth type of. Who who make your gazpacho? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little chunky. It's a little, you know, like, it can be. It can be ham or a turkey sandwich. Ham sandwich. Okay. Ham, yeah. Ham. Okay. Ham. I'm in waiting. Per- in a perfect world, Wait. ham all the time. But okay. because I'm because I'm 47, I start to like think about things like ham, and I'm like, turkey's better for me. Mm, so yeah. when, I, when when I talk about like my hedonistic needs, ham, black forest, mm. cheddar, mayo, let's do it. Not non-fat mayo, mm. um, but. These days, it's turkey. Okay. But my love is ham. That salty, wonderful ham. Tanisha, croque monsieur or croque madame? Ooh. Madame. I know you want to choose ham. Madame. 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 <laughs> <laughs> madame. <laughs> I always choose turkey. I'm a sucker for turkey, but I have a short story. So I started this new show on Discovery Plus called Hungry for Answers. So mm-hmm. I forgot the young lady's name, but... She's like a black activist and she's a writer. She's a poet and she bounces around the U S telling black stories about food. And she does have an alcohol episode. So of course that's all about uncle nearest, but she has one episode that's all about sugar. 
So <clears throat> this conversation with a professor led to, cause this professor, she lost like, uh, she was pre-diabetic and she lost all of this weight and she's healthier now. And so the girl asked her if you could eat anything right now, what would it be? And she said, a cork masseur. And she was like, ah, wow. fancy ham and cheese. Yeah. But no, check out the show. It's really cool. On Discovery? For answers. Discovery Plus. Okay, next one. Pinot Noir Rosé or Malbec Rosé? Pinot Noir Rosé. Oh, my God. This is very hard for me. It's the best in the world. The beauty of Pinot Noir. This is why I love Pinot Noir so much. When it's a red wine, it's live and beautiful and high acid and just like it can be fleshy and it's so damn good. But when you put... When you make, when you take Pinot Noir and you strip it of its skin mm-hmm. and then you, or you even give it a little bit of it, no matter whether you give it a slight maceration and piece it out with a saunier or whether whatever you do, blend it into as a base wine, it's amazing that the minute that skin's gone, it gets fat and round and juicy and punchy. Like, like the white Pinot Noirs of Germany, when I first, when I had my first one, I was like, whoa, this is a big white wines big and fat and round and juicy so for me i i i can absolutely tell immediately if a rosé has pinot noir in it mm. because it's just this nice little yeah. fat paunch inside the wine it just kind of rounds everything out i've had some pretty great malbec rosé but man that pinot noir i mean since i have to pick between the two i'm gonna go with malbec um nice. just because pinot rosé pinot noir rosé i like it like if it's champagne, but otherwise just the regular rosé rosé to me sometimes falls a little, it doesn't have as much flavor as I'd like it to. I like a Grenache-based rosé. Very Mm. nice. I can't remember if I've had a Malbec Mm. rosé. They're gorgeous. But for the reasons that Tanisha has stated, which pains me to agree with her. I would say, yes, I would go with the Malbec because it just seems like it would be a little more flavorful. It does. It has a nice depth to it, man. Yeah. Malbec really, Rosé is awesome. I really, I like both. It was, this was very hard for me. I like them for two different reasons. I like the Pinot Noir Rosés to drink on their own and I appreciate them by themselves. But a Malbec Rosé is amazing to pair food with especially in the summertime especially grilled food turkey burgers shit grilled chicken all of those are so bomb with um malbec rosés malbec rosé still has a little bit of tannin in it it's a little right. dry. Yeah. yeah yep okay uh caprese salad or greek salad okay this is oh. guys this is nuts my wife is greek <laughs> i'm um i'm gonna say caprese Really? Sorry, Gene, I love you. But, uh, I... <laughs> I agree with Keith on that one. You know, it's like, a salad, man. Oh, it's yes. like a buffalo mozzarella with the with fresh that fresh basil. black, the fresh basil and the fresh. If you put like fresh, fresh cracked black pepper on the top, oh, yes. And the base, <laughs> like just pluck from the plant and put it on, and the the extra virgin olive oil, fresh, but first press. Blah, 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 blah. I'm also married to a Greek and. We've been married for 17 years, so I can't tell you how many Greek salads I've had. Mm-hmm. It's just been crazy, but there's something with the cucumber that messes with me. It's the cucumber. There's oh, cucumber. no. Oh. I, oh, I'm it's Greek salad for me. Oh, yeah. In any way you yeah. give it to me. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
there's a sharpness to it. It's just so sharp. I think it's that saltiness from the yeah. feta. Yeah. And the, the, feta. And the, the fat uh, from mm-hmm. the olives and then, and you have yeah. olive oil in there. Oh my God. Yeah. The kalamatas and the, and the feta. Mm-hmm. That's really, but the, yes, I'm I'm very sensitive to acidity and oh, like, okay. potatoes anymore, which is weird. I can eat like really uh-huh. ripe like heirlooms, but like to, like those little those little grape tomatoes, I can't eat yeah. them anymore. Oh wow! I used to go to this Greek restaurant when I worked in Rockville. I think it's called Zoe's, and it's Greek. And their Greek salad is massive and it has the, the dressing and everything. First of all, I don't really eat salad dressing. I don't need it. I like vegetables by themselves. Yeah. But anyway, they make the Greek salad. But guess what? The first time I had it, you know, salad, you dig into it. I was like, why do I taste a potato? They put a thin layer of potatoes at the bottom and then put the salad on top and then put the dressing. So you get this like crunchy potato at the bottom. Oh, my God. It's so what? good. Oh, it's crunchy? Yeah, it's so good. What of Greece are they from? Man, it's amazing. I don't know, but it's good. I'll take it. I've oh, never had that before, but give it yeah. to me. I'll take it. Verdejo or Vino Verde? Vino Verde. Okay. Same. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. There's nothing like Vino Verde, man. Okay. And they're getting wild. They're getting more they expensive. Are. And they're getting more concentrated and they're 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 paying attention to the varieties they're using like what is there like 20 varieties in the Minho region alone? Like the Vino Verde, I think they have like thirty thousand varieties to choose from. <laughs> it's just like at least, at least. this small and they have more varieties in Italy, like, as many as Italy is weird. But there's some great stuff. I don't, I don't appreciate that it's getting more expensive. Like that was that's like a good Right, like stop messing with it. Don't Just mess stop. with a good thing. Thank you. Just I know. I know. You know, the, the, it's that's so. What's really cool? I guess what I love about it is Europe is not is different than the United States in that wine in that it's generational, right? So you have right. generations of people taking over family businesses and saying, "I'm going to change the way we were doing things and make it better." And that happened in, in a lot in, in Italy and in, in France. We've been seeing amazing. And it's a lot of, actually, it's a lot of daughters, a lot of female winemakers. Yes, yes. There's more female winemakers in Europe than there are in the United States right now, I think. And uh, that's just the vibe that I get. And you have all this, these new generations, like, I want to do something different and new. And so for me, I will say there are some of these smaller production Vino Verdes I've tried. I'm like, okay, it's pretty good. I wouldn't spend $25 on this wine. I would rather it be 10 or 15. Um, but there are some that I'm like, wow, someone's doing some lease aging. Someone's trying something different. Like this, the, the, the rules in, in the, in Vino Verde are, are not loose, but they're kind mm-hmm. of like a little bit loose. And they're kind of experimenting, but I, there is when, when the question, the, the question is Verdejo or Vino Verde, I'm thinking what you're thinking, Leslie, I'm thinking nine, $10. Yeah. Right. 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 I'm thinking broadbent. I'm thinking porch rooftop fire escape, mm-hmm. 12, 10% alcohol or less. Just like, let's do this. Sun's going down. I'm so happy. It's like water, but it has alcohol in it. And it tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, next one, a shrimp cocktail or ceviche? Oh, ceviche. Guys, ceviche. <laughs> I mean, yeah. living in, you know, living in DC, there's some great ceviche places and like there's that um it's kind of high end. I went there cuz I was when I was in DC, I did a um 
I was doing some like stuff and we're trying to book some, some hot spots. And what's that? I can't remember now. It's been a couple of years. It's a hot spot down on the wharf, the seafood restaurant on the wharf, the big one, the famous chef who has a, who has a place over in uh it's big, it's a big expensive restaurant on the wharf in DC. Yeah. I can't remember his name right now, but I had a ceviche there that I'll never forget. It was beyond anything I've ever had. And it was that moment where I felt like, cause I'm not a big raw person. I don't like raw. I mean, I have, I like carpaccio, um, but like, you know, it has to have the, all the, all the stuff on it. This thing was the most simple thing and it just melted in my mouth. And that was Are you talking about Delmar? Yes. Okay. Delmar. Yeah. I was a Delmar. It was the first time I was like, Oh, it melts in my mouth like prosciutto, like good prosciutto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is real stuff. And I gotta tell you guys, I don't like shrimp. I don't like shrimp. I my mom and my dad loved it growing up. And I, I just I I don't like the thing. You gotta pull the thing out of the, the thing and Devaner. Wow. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a devainer. <laughs> but um <laughs> not at all. But I even, I don't even like popcorn shrimp. The t- consistency of shrimp messes with me. I can't oh, it's just it's a weird thing. Uh, like I'll eat crab all day, but I can't, you know, I'm from Maryland. But you know, I, I, I can't I can't I can't do shrimp. But in the ceviche form, it just melts in your mouth. And there's some it the the the, the it change the flavor changes when it's thinner and the flavors of whatever you're putting on it are incorporated into like the flesh of it. <sighs> yeah. So good. Sorry, I rambled on that. It's your turn. Ceviche for me. Um, growing up, shrimp cocktail, of course, but ceviche for me too. Shrimp cocktail is kind of like nostalgic, so I want to say it for okay. that, but I really yeah. do like ceviche. But I would feel like I'm sitting at the kids' table while I eat the shrimp cocktail. Right? <laughs> yeah. good, right, right? You hear the fireworks? Crazy. Um, still. Shin- <laughs> still. Shannon Block or Albarino? Yes. It's mean, really, really hard. I mean, this is like... I'm going to say Chenin Blanc. Talk it through. Because Chenin Blanc does amazing. Okay. Chenin Blanc is one of the most, oh, how do I say this? Like Chardonnay is malleable. That's not it. Chenin Blanc has multiple personalities. And it has the ability to be beautiful in each of those personalities. From wine to wine to wine to wine is amazing. I also have a very you know, personal, like I went to France once and we stayed in Vouvray and we stayed in a troglodyte bed and breakfast cave, <laughs> like literally a cave. That's what's up. And it was awesome. It was like, I was a troglodyte for like one night. It was, it was, it was, it was so cool. I don't even know what troglodyte means. I hear, I think it's people that lived in caves. Um, that's what they but told me. I surely was about to ask you because I or thought it you like had some historical. No, or it looks like, like troglodyte. Who's let me, that? Let me Google it. <laughs> so apparently, troglodytes were people that lived in caves, and apparently, in France, Tunisia, it was up until like the 1950s, right? Like people were living. In people caves. lived in caves. What up until yeah. what yesterday? Like, what yesterday, just like last <laughs> Tuesday, there was these people in caves. Yeah, but like people like rent them out. <laughs> it's wild so and we got to go real real deep into a it was an awesome um winemaker i can't remember the name but we went real one of these like really deep cellars we're like i hope this dude knows where he's going because we're gonna get lost 
And like we tried all different styles of Chenin Blanc. It was just amazing. Not all of it was awesome for my palate, but my God, but Albarino is so good. Oh, Chenin Blanc, though. Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc, because that's what I have access to now. So, <laughs> right, of course. That. Yes. I can't, I can't choose. I'm at this one out, coach. <laughs> you know what? When I was, uh, when I was writing that's- these, when I wrote these, I was like, this is like comparing Prince to Michael Jackson. It's oh, not yeah. fair right. to right. me. Right. Chenin Blanc and all of its faces is like Prince and playing every yes. instrument on yes. the planet. Mm-hmm. And Alvarino is just beautiful and nostalgic and all of these things. It's like, yeah. ah, I have a, oh. such a strong connection with both of them. Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's very hard for me, too. But because ah. either one of them, if I see either of them on the shelf, I'm getting both. So yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know if I can choose yeah. either. And like Albarino is still doing cool things in the United States too. And so yeah. is Shannon Blanc. Like Albarino yeah, yeah. in Maryland is killing it right now. It is. It's, it's very it's become good. a dominant great. Yeah. It's a yeah. dominant great in this area. And it's so yeah. great. They're it's their Chardonnay. It's their big sort of what they can yeah. it's their malleable grape that they can make cool yeah. stuff out of, you know. I mean, it's a t- that was a tough one. <laughs> yeah. There's a um there's a Shannon Blanc in south africa that is an orange wine it's made by Bo bossman yes well this was so fun keith yes thank you for joining us thank you for inviting me this has been so fun i'm i love i love you guys and i really you know i i i i loved being in dc and seeing you guys in person in dc and i really hope that i can get back down there and see you guys again because I love the DMV. I'm from there. I love it so much. DC has such an amazing wine culture. I think the sommeliers in DC are the best sommeliers in the country. They're the most, they're the most, they're the coolest, most humble, most exploratory people. And I love it. So thank you guys for having me. This has been so awesome. Before you go, tell everybody where they can follow you. Please, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's the only social media that I'm on. It's Vine Pear Keith. Very simple. Also, Wine 101. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm on a podcast. I don't want to like, you know, I think you should listen to, first of all, listen to Swirl Suite all the time. And then when you're done with Swirl Suite, go on over to Wine 101 and learn a little bit about wine in a more educational environment. But if you want the most rounded discussion about wine and culture, you got to do Swirl Suite. Also, um, read VinePair. VinePair.com. I believe, and I know I'm part of it, but I have to say, I believe that we are the, we are a guide for you. Whether you are in wine, beer, and spirits, whether you know a lot or a little or some, we will help you on your journey no matter where you are. We, re- we report on current events and trends, but we also educate. We're the, one of the only websites, actually, we're the only website doing it. Everybody else does either wine, beer, or spirits. We do all three, and we're here for you, the drinking culture, because drinking is culture. Oh, and listen to Nisha's, listen to Wine School Dropout. Amen. Yeah. Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. award giving them assignments. Award-winning podcast, again. It is actually award-winning. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, 
Be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino 301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media. <laughs>